That was a great song, wasn't it? Um, it is Veterans Day, or Memorial Day, sorry, it's Memorial's Day, and um, I, I'm wondering if it would be okay if we all stood and we did the Pledge of Allegiance. Would that be okay this morning? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, I don't think we do enough of that honoring, and um, I'm not going to have the, the veterans stand this morning, but just make sure that you uh, acknowledge them, you know, if you know who they are. Um, and thank them for all that they've done. Um, I think of Arnie um, right now. Uh, we got to make sure. I don't know if it's it's going to be close, but he always told me. In fact, I think we should move that a little bit forward. The American flag should be just a little bit forward of that flag. I don't know. Is it making it today, Arnie? It's pretty close. It's pretty close. All right. But he taught me that a long time ago. And that goes along with that honor and respect, doesn't it? Well, this morning we are going to talk about family and how important that is. And um, the title for it is We Do for Family. But before we dig into God's word this morning, uh, let's turn in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your your love for us, and we do thank you for those that uh, sacrificed their lives for us and uh, fought for our country. Um, we thank you for the freedom that we have in this beautiful country, and uh, we do think of those that are in uh, Ukraine and around the world that are in, in war, and uh, Father, just let them know this morning that you are with them. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for Cole and Hannah. We pray for their their marriage, and we just ask your blessing upon them as they start out together. And um, Lord, we we do thank you for family. We ask your blessing upon it as we talk about that this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So what does it take to be a family, good family member? And I mean a good family member. You know, here's a scenario. It's Three o'clock in the morning, and your phone rings. You're dead asleep. And if you're like me, you can't see your, your phone because you haven't got your glasses on, so you have no idea who it's going to be. It better not be a telemarketer. Well, that's all I got to say, right? Better not be. The voice on the other end of the line says, Daddy, it's me. Boom, you are awake. Is everything okay? Are, are you okay? She says, yep, I'm fine. We're all fine, but I'm stuck in the ditch. At that point, you're up out of bed. You got half your pants on and you're, you're moving, you're going. And in the back of your mind, you're starting to wake up and it's like, we're going to talk about this. It's three o'clock in the morning. Why are you stuck in the ditch? We'll talk about that later. But, you know, she's okay. And at that point, you are going to rescue her. Why do we do that? Without hesitation, we do it because we do for family, right? So what are some good characteristics of being a good family member? 
And you might answer me, well, you got to have unconditional love, right? That's important. Forgiveness. Yep, we need that. A lot of forgiveness to be a good family member. How about the ability to take abuse? We need that as a good family member. Or considering family a top, top priority. Why is it important to be a good family member? Why? Well, you might answer, because many times that person has no one else to turn to. You think of an infant. They are dependent on you. And then when we get really old, grandmas and grandpas need our help, don't they? It's important to be a good family member because they have done so much for us through our lives. Or maybe it's out of respect for that person. We need to be a good family member. Or because God's word tells us to be a good family member. In your mind, you might be jumping to the Ten, Ten Commandments where it says, honor your father and mother. And Paul talked about this too, and he repeated it in Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, when he said, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that you may live long on the earth. And your fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. There's another scripture that says in, in Proverbs, listen to your father who gave you life. And don't despise your mother when she is old. And the father of a godly child has cause for joy. What a pleasure to have children who are wise. So give your father and mother joy. May she who gave you birth be happy. So there's lots of scriptures. We could spend all morning talking about, you know, what it, uh, why is it important to be a good family member and going over script, scripture like that. Again, you do for family. But so far we've been talking about our immediate family. You know, our moms and dads, sisters and brothers, grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles and cousins and, and that, you know, those family members. However, here's where I would like us to focus our thoughts on today. And that would be that our family members doesn't just include our immediate family, but our Christian family too. Everyone who is a brother and sister in the Lord, everyone who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior is an adopted child of God and a member of God's family. If two people claim to have Jesus Christ as their Savior, this makes them brothers and sisters in the Lord, whether they like it or not. You've probably heard it said, you can't choose your family, can you? The Apostle Paul wrote about this, so let's turn to our main text today. We're going to find that in Ephesians chapter 3. i got the good old guys back there. They're going to pop it up on the screen for you, but if you want to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. Now this first portion we're going to read is, I would say it's a little bit wordy, but we'll talk about it, okay? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, and the title of this portion is called The Mystery Revealed. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation, I'm going to stop right there, that's a big word, so I looked up some synonyms for that, and you might find indulgence, or allowance, or privilege, or exemption. Um, I like 
privilege. So if indeed you have heard of the privilege of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly already written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Jesus or mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to the holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. As I mentioned, a little bit wordy, okay? But let's break it down. The first important thing I think we need to uh, understand is the, the condition of the Gentiles. They were without Christ before, or they were without God before Christ came to earth. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2 um, about this. He already said, as I have written. So let's go back to that. Ephesians chapter 2, and he's going to explain that to us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. These verses explain that our condition as Gentiles, we didn't have hope. There was no hope without God. We were considered aliens and strangers from the commonwealth of Israel, and Gentiles were not included in the covenants of God's promise. It was a very bleak condition. However, Paul says that there is a mystery, and, he's, and he laid that out in verse 3 that we already read, or in chapter 3, verse 6, when he says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. This first part of this mystery is the Gentiles are considered heirs, the Gentiles are given a future here, which allows us to live with God forever. The second part of this mystery is, now the Gentiles are of the same body. And this tells us that we can have fellowship together with the Jews in the same church. Today there are, are Christian Jews out there. I've never met one, but I think it would be really cool to sit down with one of these Christian Jews and just ask the question, what's it like to be a Christian Jew? You know, what do you do? It would be fun. The third part of this mystery is that we as Gentiles are partakers of the, his promise through the gospel of Christ. We now have that same promise that was given to Abraham hundreds of years before. So we as Gentiles have a future and a hope. We are of the same body and we are partakers of the promise of Christ. 
Pastor Gary talked about this last week. If, if you listened to his message, if you were here, if you remember, Pastor Gary said, God's promise was not contingent on the law, but God's promise was always contingent on the belief in Jesus Christ. And he also said, and you are a walking miracle if you have claimed Jesus as your Savior. All of this scripture quite plainly tells us that we are family. We have been brought near to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Everyone who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ is now a brother and sister in the Lord. So that was a lot of scripture, but a lot of thought just to prove the point. We're all brothers and sisters. So Paul goes on to write about this in, he, in chapter 3, verse 14, and how he appreciates and is thankful for this mystery. So verse 14 says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was praying for the Gentiles. No doubt Paul loved his Jewish kin. I mean, they were his family. But his drive and his passion was for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the Gentiles. From the moment of Paul's conversion, if you remember, God specifically called him to preach that gospel to the Gentiles. The proof of this was recorded in Acts chapter 9 when the Lord told Ananias, if you remember, he said, go and see Paul. And Ananias said, no way, I don't want to talk to him. He's going to kill me. Um, but then the Lord told Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much I'm, he must suffer for my name. So Paul's passion was, was straight from God. And Paul was praying for, his, for the Gentiles. Let's read on. Verse 15 says, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And I believe this family name is Christian. We are God's children. I think it's really cool how the Swedes and Norwegians a few hundred years ago used to name their kids. You know, if, if John had a son, his last name would become Johnson. Or if Helver had a son, it would be Helverson. Or Lars had a son, it was Larson, or, or Ole, Olson. How many of you out there? There's a few of you. Hansen, Hansen, you know. Doesn't it make sense that our heavenly family's name should be Christian? For we are named after Christ. Well, up until now, I've spent a lot of time attempting to lay the foundation. We are family. But here's where we get into a challenge for today. How are we to be good Christian family members? How can we do this task? Now Paul starts to explain how this is possible. In verse 16 of chapter 3, he says, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, and depth, and height, 
to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. These verses explain to us that we are given the strength of the Holy Spirit. Just before Christ left the earth, he, he promised us the Holy Spirit before his ascension. Here Paul is telling us that God shares his glory with us by allowing the Holy Spirit to dwell within each of us that we can comprehend the love of Christ. The love for family members can be deep and wide. Just like that psalm, deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. We are given the Holy Spirit, which gives us knowledge just how deep the love of Christ truly is and how we can show that love with others. And that knowledge can bring us to the fullness of God. This is important because God does not want us to fail as family members. He doesn't want us to fail. I love the analogy that Paul throws in here, that we are deeply rooted and grounded in love. And that fits perfectly with a family tree, doesn't it? When you picture a family tree going down to the ground, being rooted and grounded, getting water and nutrition from the ground, and a strong, healthy tree is rooted, rooted and grounded in love. The promise of the Holy Spirit is essential to show us how we can be good family members. Well, let's read on in chapter 4. And this portion of the, the scripture here is, is called Walk in Unity. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, enduring to keep the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. There's a lot of good, healthy family characteristics that we can pull out of this portion of Scripture. You probably notice that these verses sound kind of similar to Paul's uh, fruits of the Spirit that he wrote about in Galatians chapter 5. Paul beseeches us to walk worthy. We are called to walk in lowliness or humbleness or meekness, not always being first in line. As a sub-teacher, I, I sub quite often in the grade schools, and it's just kind of fun and kind of tiresome to see the kids fight to get first in line to go to the bathroom or, you know, first in line to go to the music class. And it's like when they get there, they're all there at the same time. It just doesn't matter, but you've got to fight to be first. And it's funny how we fight to be first a lot of times. The other way we can walk worthy of the calling is to be gentle with each other, to be kind and tender and compassionate, using kind speech and kind actions towards one another. Or long-suffering, we can call, we can walk according to that call. That's a tough one. To be patient with each other, being understanding of what someone is going through. And of course, we can walk in love, being loving towards one another and 
the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace, we are called to be peacemakers or peacekeepers. You might be thinking, well, this is unrealistic. How can I be that way with Christian brothers and sisters when I can't even do it with my own family, you know? It's not going to be easy. When you think about it, there's really no wonder that we don't all get along with each other. God has made us totally unique. Some of us are better looking than others, um, but we all have different dislikes, um, personalities, emotions, talents, opinions, convictions. We're all different. Sometimes it's hard, hard for us to get along with each other. Well, let's not forget that God has promised us the Holy Spirit, which will allow us and he, he will guide us to walk through life and allow us to get through some of these situations with our Christian families. We're not always going to get along with each other, but that is no excuse for not trying to get along with each other. We do for family. We do for family. Well, let's read on. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, <clears throat> Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Again, this is not going to be a cakewalk. It's going to take a lot of work. Even though we are all unique, God has given us the same purpose and we, we've got that same goal. Our calling from God is to be one. Well, I've got a few pictures here. If the guys are ready in the, in the back there, here's some examples um, to be true to our calling from God. Remember this? We are true to our calling when we are united to share the gospel. Remember the power team, how they came? It was so cool to be united with churches from this whole area and schools from this whole area. What was our common goal? It was to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God really rich, richly blessed that event, didn't he? Well, the next picture. We can be true to our calling when we worship God together. It's beautiful when we sing together and we worship God in unison. I'll never forget the sound of being down at Promise Keepers. I don't know if you guys were, any of you went down. I think it was either 20 or 30,000 guys. And man, we rocked that house. We were singing praises to God. It was fun. Next one, next picture. We can be true to our calling when we take care of each other. Many times, we can recognize when a person is hurting just by the look they're wearing. They are not looking like they normally look. And when you see someone like this, they're wearing a face like that, all you need to do is ask, are you doing okay today? And they might tell you, they might not tell you, might need to do a follow-up call later in the week or a follow-up text, just say, hey, I noticed you weren't yourself. Are you doing okay now? That's how we can care. The next picture, please. We can be true to our calling when we share joy with others, when we laugh together. This is easy, isn't it? As we discussed in Sunday school, we can share stories 
with each other. Share about the miracles that God's doing in your life. Or about those grandbabies, you know? Share about them. Care for each other. But it all takes doing. We do for family. As long as we live and we work together as family members, we should strive to be in good fellowship with each other and have good relationships with each other. Family members who love and care for each other, no matter what. We do for family. I'm going to call the praise team up at this time. I just want a few words in closing before we sing. Again, why is it important to be a good family member? Not just a regular family member, but a Christian family member. And maybe you're going to hopefully answer, it's important because many times that person needs you. They're the only one that they can turn, you are the only one that they can turn to. It's important to be a good family member because they've done so much for you. Or it's important to be a good family member because you need to show them respect. But it's also important to be a good family member because God's word tells us to. There was a great benediction that was tucked in these verses. I didn't read it earlier, so I chose to read it right now. But Paul wrote this benediction, and it just fits perfectly to end us with this morning. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. We do for family. It'll be forever and ever.